Hey guys, welcome back to the Love Can See podcast. I know it's been a while since we talked, but I'm so happy to be back. And today we have such a great episode. We are hearing from one of my best friends, Grace de Guzman, otherwise known as Artemis Orion, which may sound familiar. She does sing the intro music to this podcast, and I'm so excited for you to get to know the person behind the beautiful voice that you hear every week. Trust me, she just has such an incredible heart for God, for people, and for her passion that inspires me on the daily, and I know that she is going to inspire you. So without further ado, let's get right into it. I'm so glad that we are finally doing this. We have been trying to do this for so long, I feel like, and it's it's just time. <laughs> so happy to be here. Oh. oh my gosh. So like I said, I'm so excited that you are on. And for those who don't know you, even though I'm pretty sure most people should, because you are the voice behind the beautiful intro music every week, <laughs> and it's just amazing. So oh, I'm you. so happy that people get to know the person behind the song, finally. <laughs> and can you give a little intro to yourself for those who just who want to know more about you? Absolutely. Um, before I do, I want to say one, so honored to be able to do the intro music for you. I, oh. If you remember, like, when I made it, like, the instrumental, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm pretty sure I heard this in a dream. And I was, like, making it for your yes. podcast. And I was like, I might turn it into a song. <laughs> so, yeah, I, um, as Kinsey mentioned, um, I, I basically do music. So um, I am a musical artist under Artemis Orion, um, spelled like the Greek goddess Artemis and Orion, the Greek hunter. Um, because I always get questions about that. And I'm like, oh, maybe I should have picked like a different name. <laughs> but I just like, <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like, it's a name that I feel like just came to me. And then after like having it so many different meanings behind it, like started coming to fruition. And I was like, wow, this literally like was definitely meant to be it. Um, and so I, I am, what do I do? <laughs> I do music. I am a singer songwriter, a producer, um, a, I guess, like, I also, like, write um, to other people's, like, instrumentals. We call it, like, top lining. Um, I also love film. Um, so I do screen write when I have the time to. And I love just dreaming up concepts. Like, I, I'm basically a story writer. And whether that goes through like writing songs or like doing music videos or um, films and things like that. So I'm just like, I guess all around creative 
<laughs> Absolutely. So. You're one of the most creative people that I know. Like, oh. <laughs> oh my gosh, a girl of so many talents, so oh. many trades. <laughs> I mean, y'all, being in the room with Grace for even five oh minutes, like you walk out and you're like, oh my gosh, I have so many ideas. Like, I feel so inspired. No. She's one of those people. You are. You are. You are one of those people, is, Grace. 100%. Is, oh my gosh. That is so amazing to hear. <laughs> it's definitely who you are. Oh my gosh. I'm going to cry. We're not even five minutes in. Okay, <laughs> no. Oh my gosh. Uh, I love it though. So <laughs> you have been kind of all over the map creatively, but you've also been all over the physical map, being born kind of here in California, going to Mississippi, Nashville, back to California. Can you give like kind of a little background on Absolutely. all of the transitions in your life? Because I know you've had a ton and I think a lot of people can relate to big transitions in their life. So I want to hear a little bit about that and how you ended up coming to LA and now we're best friends. Mm. So how did all that kind of happen? <laughs> Absolutely. Let me give you the whole rundown. <laughs> um, let me clear my throat real quick. <clears throat> there was a time. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, so as Kinsey mentioned, I, um, I was born in LA, uh, West Covina, to be in fact, West Covina, California, if you know where that's from. <laughs> Anyways, I spent the first uh, four to five years of my life living in Chino Hills in the suburbs of California. Um, and my mom like worked in a hospital like around Beverly Hills or whatever. So that's where we were. Um, and then we moved to uh, Mississippi, big jump. <laughs> Am I right? Uh, oh, because yeah. my dad wanted a chicken farm. Like that was one of his lifelong dreams was to have a chicken farm. So five-year-old me, you know, we're in a van road tripping cross country. I'm like, we've got the dogs, we've got stuff with us. We're having a good family fun time and we're in Mississippi like oh this is great like everything's so open so green the air is just cleaner and I'm That's like true. all right I'm ready to go home now and we're like oh like we're like this is our new home and I'm, <laughs> and I'm like oh okay so I grew up in Mississippi um like 17 miles east of Tupelo, which is where Elvis Presley was born. Cool fact. <laughs> cool fact for you guys. Um, and it was pretty, it was definitely different. Like I went to a high school, or my graduating class was like 144, but which was like, there were some other high schools like in my district, the graduating class was like 18. So if yeah. that gives you like an idea of how like small I was and I had the same best friends like since kindergarten, which is like very thankful for that because not a lot of people can say that. Um, I'm actually going to see them when I go home in a couple of weeks. <laughs> so, so fun. 
It's so crazy. Um, and so grew up in Mississippi, went, spent the first two years of college at Mississippi State. Um, and I would say that was probably, I mean, moving to Mississippi was a transition, but I felt like it was very passive, you know, like I was only five <laughs> out of like, you know, it was more so like me being an accessory to my parents' mm. transition in their life sort of thing. Um, which is still like, you know, like I could have grown up in the suburbs. I would have probably been a different person than growing up in a rural country area, you know? Yeah. And so I will say um, college, not like after two years. So I actually started, um, I went in majoring in biomedical engineering which is crazy to think about um because I genuinely loved I'm such a nerd honestly but I loved calculus and I loved anatomy and physiology and my parents always like instilled in me like I mean I've always um done music like I wrote songs when I was seven start picked up a guitar and piano when I was 10 and did like um band like marching band and symphonic band in high school and I did musical theater so it was always like within like I made it a point for music and creativity and um like anything in that realm to be at the forefront of my life aside from academics so my parents always like instilled like oh like you should you know, try to get a job that'll help you be financially stable and like be a very, um, you know, so that you can have a job when you graduate college. And I'm like, so going into college, I'm like, okay, let's do like biomedical engineering, like being an engineer, there's always going to be opportunities for a job. <clears throat> and I totally like before the semester even started, I looked at my schedule and the names of the classes. And I'm like, bro, bro, I'm going to hate my life. <laughs> I'm going to switch. So I went from biomedical to geography, which I have no idea what I was thinking in the moment. It was like <laughs> one of those, like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just going to go for it. Because I loved traveling, I guess. And so I was like, okay, maybe I can somehow, you know, mesh that in. So I did that for like a semester and then I switched to international business. Um, so it was like a double major program and I was majoring in marketing and German. And that lasted for maybe a year and a half. It was projected to be a five-year program since it was two majors that you were getting. And I was like, I'm going to try to finish this in four and a half. Like, and if I stuck with it, I would have done like a study abroad in Germany and I would have um, done an internship ideally in Germany, but it could have been in the US. And so my thought process was like, okay, this will like be my way to like study in Europe and turn international business into music business, like once I graduate, which now like, being on the other side of 
you know, graduating from college, I'm like, I could have stuck with marketing. I could have, like seeing all the job listings, like could have, but there's a reason why I didn't. We're going to figure that out. And so, um, but anyways, that's like, in my point of view is the biggest transition in my life was like having this international business major. And I was so stressed out when I was doing that because I was putting all of my energy into school. And I remember sitting down one day and I was like, when was the last time I actually wrote a song or like performed a lot or like picked up the guitar? And I felt like there was a missing piece of me when I realized that. And also like I was, I felt like I was wasting money going not going to classes <laughs> um, and also like hating what I was doing and you know, felt like I had to teach myself in a lot of things as far as my classes. And I was like, this just, you know, this just doesn't feel like it's what I'm supposed to be doing. And I was like, okay, well, my option is that I can transfer and there was nothing creatively appealing at Mississippi State that I wanted to like change my major to again and so I was looking at other options like maybe Ole Miss which is the other SEC school in Mississippi um or I like anywhere else the hardest part was like the money thing which you know the difference between in-state tuition and out-of-state tuition is wild and um I really just wanted to, you know, do something that would help me creatively. So I started looking at like film majors. I started looking at um, never in a million years would my parents let me major in music, (laughs) which is like, okay, I can understand that. Um, And so I like found this school called Middle Tennessee State University. And it was like within uh, distance from like my home address to where I could be considered in state. So mm-hmm. I was able to find a transfer program that gave me like, it wasn't exactly in state tuition, but it was pretty dang close. So I was like, okay. Um, and I saw that they had um, like an audio production um major that you can do and like music business and like songwriting and I was like this is perfect like hitting all of the avenues of like what I need and it's right outside of Nashville um and it was just so much work like so many phone calls with my mom and so many like having to send documents to get accepted and everything like that and I just remember like yes it was a lot of work but I was just so determined to transfer. Like I couldn't imagine being at Mississippi State for another year. But and through that whole process, it's like two years before that, I was like, oh, I'm never going to transfer. Like I'm going to go to state and I'm going to be there all four years. And then, you know, a year and a half into it, you're like, your mind has changed. Like it's just crazy how like things will can change like that after time passes. And so 
I did everything I needed to. I set myself up to go to Middle Tennessee the my next like two years. And um, I remember like that last semester being at state, I felt so, <laughs> it was kind of weird because like I knew I was leaving, but it always feels like that last semester you find the best people, like you find your group. Yeah. <laughs> so like I auditioned for like this comedy improv group and got in and that whole semester with them, I was like, it actually would have been a fun like two years because I found like my people, but yeah. I'm <laughs> leaving. And it's kind of like, you know, like you can't base your decision of staying somewhere versus going somewhere based on mm. like, I mean, you can depending on who you are, but like based on your community versus based on what you want, which yeah. In my opinion, I think you should always base it on you because it is your life. You are the author of your own life. And you know, you're not you're not going to be a villain for leaving because you're literally just doing what's best for you. And so that was that transition and then I remember that whole summer like I felt so rejuvenated or like I was building myself up to be rejuvenated and be like this person that I wanted to be going into like my new major going into this new city and like basically starting this new life even though it was still a continuation of my college chapter mm -hmm. and so I um oh I totally skipped a big detail so Actually, no, this is going into the next transition. Never mind. <laughs> My head is like jumping already. Um, so I go to Middle Tennessee and I'm like, you know, everything's great. I'm learning a lot of like the engineering side of the music industry as far as like the and like creative process. So I did audio production. So it was like, um, as a songwriter, because I knew I wanted to be an artist. And my thought process behind it was like, okay, if I do audio production and like do all of this stuff where I'm in the studios and like engineering and um, basically being the person in the studio that's like running all of like the microphones and like the, the session that we're recording into, I was like, I want to do it so I can essentially speak the language of the engineers so in the future when I do when I am in a studio I know what's going on versus mm. just being an artist that shows up and like hey track me sort of thing I, I'm that type of person where I like to know how things work and so I um it was great like doing that and I got into all these classes, these different classes of like different ways of making music um, as far as like production. And that's where I like found my love with like producing my own music with just like my laptop, which is great. And so, cause it's mostly how I produce music now. And um, I, it was just kind of, I knew who I was in this point in my life, but I was also, I, it's like, you know who you are, but you could still find more specifics 
mm. like fine tuning of finding yourself. So yeah. I felt like that's what this phase was, was like, I know that I love music. I know that I want to be an artist. I want to perform. I want to connect and inspire people, connect with people and inspire them. Um, and so it was like, okay, in this environment, here are the tools that you have, you know, find what gravitates towards you, find what you like, what you don't like. And it's just like building yourself, which is really cool. Um, I was so, I was so stimulated, um, during that point of like of college. Um, but the next transition after that, like obviously graduation and, I, my entire life, since I moved out of LA, I always knew I wanted to move back because LA is, you know, the music and film industry lives in LA. And, and it's not just because of that, but every time I go back, I feel like this spiritual connection with, yeah, with it. <laughs> so um, I just was like, I gravitate towards that city. I know I will eventually find my way back. And looking at everything as far as like my finances and like what was um, realistic and idealistic. So ideally, like this was before, this was um, this two semesters before I was going to graduate. So this was in spring 2019 was when I was like, okay, what's my game plan for this year? Because I graduate fall of this year. And so um, for the summer, I had to find an internship. And I was like, okay, I would love to find an internship like in LA. Like if I can spend my summer in LA somehow, that would be the icing on the cake. Um, and so this spring, also, I think I just realized this, but like the phase when I was transferring colleges was also in spring. So maybe for me, spring is my transitional season. I love that. Which is like, like my birthday is also in spring in May. And I just thought of that. Like, <laughs> I just That's had an epiphany. So cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so <laughs> this spring of 2019, um, I was trying to figure out what I was going to do. It was probably like way early spring. I remember um, I realistically, like, I don't think I did. I felt like I didn't have the finances to be able to house myself in LA. Um, I had family members, but they were like, they lived in Long Beach and so it would have been like a drive and I wouldn't have a car. So like looking at all of the logistics, especially with after graduation, like I was like, I don't think I can afford LA like right off the bat. Um, so I was just kind of accepting in my head, like, okay, like I do love Nashville um, I could live here for like another year or two, build myself up like in this community sort of thing. Like maybe Los Angeles isn't in the cards for me right now. And it was one of those things like um, I, I'm, I'm the type of person that 
I guess, like, look for signs. And I have, um, I always, <laughs> I talk to God about it, like, in a room alone. I'm like, okay, I, God, like, please help me see where you want me to go. And I felt like in this moment, I was like, okay, maybe, you know, Nashville is what you want me to do. Like, I've met so many people in Nashville as well who would like help me propel in my faith. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, you know, it's not a bad idea to be around this community for another year or two. And like, you're, I'm still in the city. So I was just kind of like, surrendering my will my desire to go to Los Angeles and just stay in Nashville and I remember I was I remember this so specifically I was in the car I it was a little conversation with God in the car um and I was like okay like I'm gonna give it up to you I'm gonna stay in Nashville you know maybe like finding the good I'm a very optimistic person so I was just you know bummed that you know maybe I'm not gonna be in LA for another three years but you know at least like here's all these other things that could be really great and you know this chapter is not over yet with Nashville this you know so I in that same moment where I surrendered myself, I get a phone call from my mom and I'm like, that's weird. Like my mom doesn't call me um, when she knows I'm driving. And so I answer it and I'm like, hello. And immediately she's like, so what are your plans after college? And I was like, oh my gosh, like she's a witch. Like she knew I was literally thinking about this stuff. I, and I was like, kind of not like nervous, but I felt like it was one of those, this is like your parents wake, like trying to give you a wake up call. Like, Hey, you need to get on it. You're about to enter the real world. You need to know what you're doing. I thought it was going to be one of those conversations. And I was like, Oh, I, well, you know, like I really want to go to LA, but I, I like financially I can't do that so you know I'll stay in Nashville I'll build my name in Nashville I'll work save money to move out there in like a year or two and like you know Nashville's music city there's a lot of job opportunities for what I'm doing right now in school and I can make connections blah 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 and I'll just find an internship in Nashville during the summer and I was like please be please be an okay answer la, la, la. <laughs> like and she was like okay so do you still want to go to LA and I'm like yeah but I don't think it's gonna happen for like another year or two being realistic and she was like okay well um I'm just asking because I got accepted to transfer work to either like San Francisco or Los Angeles she got accepted to both and also just a little backstory on that little sliver of the story. My mom has been working on this transfer for like maybe uh, two years, like since I started college or something like that. Cause the plan was like, um, I wanted to go out to California eventually. And like my mom, before she would retire, she wanted to work her last years in California to, I guess, like save more money for retirement. Cause it's way 
better versus like in Memphis where she was working at the moment. So I, that was one of those things where it was like, you know, it's been years. I don't know if we're going to hear about that. Um, so she calls me and she's like, I got accepted to these. I'm at like, if you want to go to LA, I'll accept the job in LA. But if you want to stay in Nashville, I'm going to go to San Francisco. And I was like, so are you like, when would you transfer? And she's like, it would be June, twen- like this summer. And I'm like, so I could stay with you. And she's like, yeah, if you want to find an internship in Los Angeles. And I'm like, so <laughs> no way. Um, and it was just kind of like in that 10, 20 minute call, my life made a complete 180 where it was like, oh. here I was surrendering my thoughts. Like I'm going to just do an internship in Nashville, everything centered around Nashville. And then it was like, God heard that. And here's this phone call. And it's like, actually, you can go to LA. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And so right on it, I was like, I got to find an internship. I got to like, I got to make this work somehow. Like I have the opportunity. Um, And that was just like, that was a big sign. And I think it's crazy. Like, you know, it's, it's the same power as prayer is whenever you do pray for other people or uh, pray for certain situations. And it's like, God really does hear all of that. And it's crazy. Like it could take time for those prayers to be answered, but it could also take five minutes, which is, that is so true. It's so wild. Um, So that was a super big transition, which led, which led me to Los Angeles. And I knew no one essentially like I had a friend who was also doing an internship but she was like staying in a different part of town and we would like hang out every like now and then but I was like okay I knew that Hillsong LA so like as I moved to my apartment this is another god thing (laughs) it was like I was looking at the map around me and I saw that Hillsong LA was less than half a mile from my apartment and I looked at it and I was like I know what you want me to do I really do (laughs) and I am such I'm such a shy person and I like I maybe knew I knew one person that went to Hillsong and it was through social media and I'd never met her before in person you know who I'm talking about yeah um, <laughs> you know uh cat <laughs> oh yes he's like the glue to everything <laughs> i swear and so i knew she went to hillsong and would always see like all of these pictures and like videos of like this amazing community and i'm like okay if i'm ever in la i would love to go like and for myself and here it is like oh hillsong's like five, 10 minute walk from where you live. No excuse. <laughs> and I'm like, all right. But <laughs> it took me maybe like a month or two 
or a month and a half before I actually went because I was so shy and I didn't know anyone. And um, I just, in new social situations at this point of my life, it took a lot for me to step out of that comfort zone and step into a new environment by myself. Mm. Um, and so I remember one time, I, I think it was like around when sisterhood was happening or something and Kat had posted about it. And I was like, okay, this is like, I could just reach out to her and say like, you know, like, um, I really want to go and like, I don't know anyone. And so, you know, that whole thing. And she was just like, oh my gosh, I didn't know you were so close. Like you're in downtown. Let's meet up. Oh my God. Like she was just so excited. And it made me like feel so much better about stepping into this like new community. And so I remember meeting up with her and that was the same day that I had met Claire, another one of our best friends. And eventually I met you and everyone else. <laughs> and I was like, this is amazing. Like these people, like I think about it, I knew I had to go back to Nashville to finish my semester, but I knew I was moving back to LA afterwards. So I'm like, mm. I am meeting what I felt like, which I still feel that way now, are my long-term friends that I will, you know, sprout into adulthood with, like after college. Yeah. And so I remember the first time I went to service at Hillsong, I I cried. <laughs> I cried like a baby um, because I felt so much love and so much like I felt so vulnerable in the moment because so much had happened to me that spring. Like I had gotten out of a very emotionally draining breakup and that was one of those things I couldn't make sense of it at, in the moment. Mm. And I just wanted to like, I invested that time and all of that pain into my relationship with God and to, you know, help me heal from it. And so in that moment at service, I can't, I wish I could remember the song that was playing, but um, I just remember like singing along and like, crying I felt so at home I felt so much love around me and even though I was kind of like it, it wasn't really like a sadness I don't know how to explain it I guess like a mm, I guess in the similar term of being melancholic about something where mm. it's not it's not really like good or bad it's just kind of there and so it, I felt like in that moment too, like all of the stuff that I was healing from, like it was very present, but I felt like God was telling me, well, hey, like you're on your way to wow. the other side. Like I literally saw the light of the end of the tunnel. Like I wasn't necessarily there from healing yet, but I was like on my way. And being in that community that first night at Hillsong was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> this is this is where it either like starts, this is where the healing journey continues. And so I fell in love <laughs> that night. And so that summer, 
being around all of you guys. And then like, I was so sad to go back to Nashville, but I was also so happy because it's like a glimpse of what my life was going to be like after college. Mm. And so when I graduated, I came back and I was like, so excited. Like, oh my gosh, like I'm going to grow in Hillsong. I'm going to like have so many coffee dates with so many cool people (laughs) and um, do all of these things. And then COVID hit (laughs) like three months into it. It was very fun, but then COVID hit. And I feel like that was another, like an obvious transition for everyone on the planet. Um, Which for a lot of people, it was like, and definitely like as COVID happened, I was like, this is the biggest like thing that I've seen god do like overall and i just remember like going the online service and like you know sam and everyone just talking about what does this mean like the whole thing about a wall and like you can't see Mm -hmm. the other side but it is there i remember that um so because it was like you are so right like this is exactly what it is like um we're so used to just going like we're so focused on our careers. We like living a fast life. We like, you know, staying busy because we feel like that's how we be the most productive. And oftentimes we don't realize that we tend to ignore that we need to rest. And so so true. (laughs) So real. And like so guilty of that. Because I just love like work, work, work. and because for me, like if you love what you do, and for you as well, if yeah. you love what you do, you're like, oh, I could do this twenty four seven. I don't need to rest because I'm doing what I love. And uh, even in that sense, you still have to rest. You still have to take a step back. Because recently, um, another transition. Well, quarantine for me. Um, (laughs) I'm getting ahead of myself. Quarantine (laughs) was kind of like the breaks of life for everyone. Yeah. And it was like all of a sudden, like we didn't have to go to work. We couldn't go outside. We're left to be isolated. And in isolation, it could be like, you know, it is what you make it. So yeah, we're not working. We're not seeing people, but we have, God has given us the time and the space to reflect within ourselves. And so I like took that time to, you know, um, I remember in that moment I was working so much, like my day job, I was a barista and I was working so much and I was maybe making music, like during my free time, I would spend, I would get like four to (laughs) one to five hours of sleep at night because I would open like I would open the store in the morning but like the night before maybe I was like hanging out with friends or doing music and so quarantine I remember in that moment like before quarantine and I was like I wish I could just do music like not have to work and then quarantine hit I was actually Mm. sick the first week into quarantine pretty sure it was COVID because after I healed my lungs were so sore. 
I couldn't laugh. I couldn't sing. And that really scared me. I was like, if I can't sing, like, yeah. I don't know how I'm going to live. Um, but luckily I healed from it. And during quarantine, I just, it was working, but it was also, I felt like meditating. I had the time mm -hmm. to make the music I wanted to and not be interrupted, but I also had the time to like reflect on myself and, yeah, you know, like taking all these notes and like journaling and like reading, um, reading things and like making sense of the whole mm. pandemic and I was still even like you know there's all these things in the news with like healthcare workers being so hit with it and like shortage on all the essentials that we need and so many bad things going on yeah it was kind of like well it's not really new I mean as far as like all of the things that were coming to light but it was like this is a transition phase where like here's something that happened that brought that to the surface and it goes so the same for like the Black Lives Matter movement where it was yeah. like it's not something that just existed just now it was something right. that has existed for years and it's taken you know, a pivotal, uh, a pivotal, <laughs> a pivotal <laughs> moment for it to resurface. And I, all of this happening through the pandemic was God's way of like giving us the opportunity to heal ourselves, yeah. like, and like whether it was like in yourself or like societal issues or, you know, a lot of things. And so, it's a it's a growing moment, I guess. It's mm -hmm. a growing opportunity for sure. Um, and then recently, now that we're like kind of at the light, we see the light at the end of the tunnel, but we're not completely there yet. Yeah. Um, for me personally, another transition has happened. So like beginning of quarantine, I was like, I was living it up. <laughs> I was doing music full time. <laughs> I was getting <laughs> uh, paid by work. Um, like a catastrophe pay and mm. getting unemployment. I was like, you know, financially stable. Couldn't spend any of it, obviously, because <laughs> nothing's open. And I was able to do music full time. And I was like, this is such a weird situation, but this is very ideal. But now, a year later, um, February, March 2021, I'm like, the I'm not there. I'm not financially stable. I actually um, was working so much. I had gotten signed to my publisher um, in August. So I was making, I now like, aside from doing solo music, I also do uh, sync music and I collaborate with other like producers around the world, which is like really cool because that wouldn't be a thing if, um, the pandemic didn't happen and so I have like so much work and it feels like it's like all of this input going in like doing all of the work but very little output is coming out of it and it's just kind of like well I don't want to stop I just want to keep doing it because that's what they say they tell you to just 
keep doing it and eventually you'll see the outcome. Right. And so that's what I was doing. Nonstop work, nonstop um, everything. And I just felt like I didn't need to take a break. And it was so, um, I think I let myself do that for about a month, maybe two months. Mm -hmm. And in the back of my head, I knew I needed to step back, but I didn't want to. And it really, um, I remember (laughs) I had another conversation in my car with God and there was like something going on um, between one of my really close friends here in LA. It was, we're like totally good now. Like we're actually going to hang out maybe later today, but (laughs) we were just having like a rough patch. And I remember feeling so like my, my energy and my vibration was just so low that week. Yeah. I was crying every day. I felt like I had so much on my to-do list, but I didn't know where to start. And I was in my car because like I had to get a service because my service lights were on. My car needed to, this was also like for two weeks, maybe, maybe more than that, where I was ignoring like my car's needs. (laughs) And it was like, check your tire pressure, please. And my mom was like, you need take care of your car because if you get you know if something happens yeah you not no bueno so I go get my car serviced in the suburbs and I'm like driving and I was just like already crying in the car um and I put on <laughs> there's this one song called deathbed by Reliant K if you guys yeah. know it it's a very beautiful song um and at the end of it uh John Foreman from Switchfoot is singing as the voice of Jesus and like i think that's like one of my fears <laughs> is um i don't know like okay so in that moment listening to that song i was i felt so much weight on my shoulders and i knew like i don't have to feel this weight like I'm only feeling this weight because I'm making myself feel it. I could just give it all up. I could just surrender it all to God and, you know, it'll be taken care of. Not that like I can just sit back and relax, but I can just know in my head that God is always on my side and everything that happens to me happens for a reason. Even if I can't see the good in it now, I will see it later on. Everything happens for a reason, for your own good. And um, in, I had that conversation in my car. I was like, God, I just give it up to you. I don't want to feel this way. I felt emotionally drained. I felt so low. And I was like, you know, everything's going to be okay. And like within that same song playing, I was just sobbing tears, like, ah, like <laughs> so I don't want to feel this way. And then towards the end of it, because it's like a seven or ten minute long song. <laughs> and at the yeah. end of it, I hear like John Foreman singing, and he's like, Jesus, like I am the way, the truth, and the light. And like I am love. And I'm like, I was like laughing, like happy tears, and I was like, 
laughing because I felt love in that moment too. It was like I felt the weight lift off of me in that moment. And I'm like, wow, (laughs) this is really beautiful. Um, And so, but having that said, conversation in the car, something major is going to happen. And sure enough, two days later, I get into a car accident where my car is totaled. And um, in the moment, I was pretty, I was furious because, and it was furious for, um, I guess you can say materialistic reasons because in LA, a car is like a lifeline. Yeah. It gets you from point A to point B. And like for me, it was a um, something that I, it was my freedom. Like if I wanted to, I could just get in my car and I could just drive around. I could just drive to another state. It was freedom. And, but another thing that my car was, you could say it's freedom, but it was also a distraction Mm. because I had so much to do on my like plate. But most times if I felt too overwhelmed, I'll just get in my car. And I was honestly doing it more often than I should have and so that pivotal pivot I can't say that word pivotal (laughs) moment I was upset about the car because it was like oh my gosh this is my graduation present like my dad put so much work into like finding this and getting it for me and like because he knew I'd be driving it around LA and now that it's totaled I don't have a car I felt stripped away from my freedom I felt um it was another like, oh no, I have to start saving up for another car. Like I'm not financially stable just yet. Like I was just starting to save up to get my own apartment. And it was like that moment, even though it was a car accident and I luckily walked out of it without a scratch. And I think later that day, after like the shock of, you know, being in that, I was like, okay, I see what this is. This happened for a reason because it's not necessarily forcing me to, but it's, you know, taking away that distraction of, <laughs> I guess yeah. having a car, but also like I do have to look at my finances. I do have to learn how like insurance works, like all of these adult things that I've been pushing aside to learn about. I have to learn about it now. Mm-hmm. And because that was another thing, that was another, I guess, prayer that I had in the car was that I. I'm struggling finding my footing being an adult and being independent. And I really want to get there. Like 2021, I really want to be independent. I want to be able to sustain myself and, you know, feel accomplished in that way. And that car accident was just, I feel like is the, okay, that was God saying, I heard your prayers. This is where we're going to start. Even though it sucks. (laughs) 
Yeah. But it's, you know, it's one of, it's very, I guess, shocking or surprising the ways that God does work in our lives. Um, And that was, I guess, like the optimism that I found in my car accident. Um, And so now it's after that, I was fortunate, like, to have good insurance and like get a rental car and um, get my car totaled and like putting that towards savings for Mm. maybe a new car eventually. Still looking for a job, but I think maybe hopefully today um, I found the right job, which is great because like I've been putting off finding a day job because I really want to do something that is still related to the music and film industry. And this past weekend, like I found a position as a creative assistant for a film documentary, which watching the documentary, it's a very exclusive documentary. Basically, if I get the job, my role would be to like um, have screenings, like plan screenings and like market the film around LA and everything like that. So cool. And I, as I was watching the documentary, um, I was like, okay, so basically the whole thing is about how we are a consciousness in a vessel. Like our body, our body is a vessel and that we live in and it's very temporary. And that was another thing yeah. I realized in my car accident, how like anything can happen in a split second. We don't know what's planned for us, um, in anything in life. We don't, we don't know how long we'll live. The only thing that matters is that in the moment you're doing what you can um, to live a fulfilled, I guess, a fulfilled life and be the person you want to be. And so watching this documentary and like that accentuated me, like, <laughs> yes, I am but a soul in a vessel. Oh my. <laughs> and, um, and it's kind of relating to um how there are different worlds like every person is a whole different world a whole different life that no one that we don't know the full story of and essentially like this documentary visited like five different lives and like there was some sort of pain factor like Mm -hmm. um say for instance uh i guess the first segment was a boy that was born with a skin disease where his um if he had a like say he got a scratch his epidermis had trouble healing from it so it would just stay an open wound it would blister and as he grew older like doctors said like oh he won't live past a year he well i don't know how old he is he is at least a teenager now which is amazing but he does live this life where he is always in physical pain with his arms and his legs basically being open wounds. And what he does to distract the pain is play video games. (laughs) That's how he gets his mind off of it. And um, which I think is like, you know, like, it's basically finding the silver lining and like he is asked these questions like you know do you, would you ever like still want a family would you want to get married everything like that like would you want to have a normal life and he was like yeah 
I still do, even you know, even though he is he was given this vessel that was a little problematic, he was still able to see the silver linings in that. And <laughs> basically there's like four other segments in that documentary and I felt like it resonated with my life so much with like having not necessarily physical pain, but you know, all of that pressure put on me that was causing emotional pain and how it's like, well, you know, that's temporary (laughs) sort of thing. You just have to follow the silver linings. And so um, hopefully I'll get that job and that would, you know, kind of help me go and, you know, build myself as an independent. And um, I'm trying to figure out what else. Yeah, still working on music. And it's just kind of one of those things I do. I am still aware of like the time I need to take to step back, but also um, continue to work. And it was another thing too, like you were there, you helped me. Um, we So we recently had a whole film week where I yes. basically filmed for six short music videos that would be together as a short film. And Kinsey <laughs> was my stylist, which is amazing because- honored to have you um because for you it was a i guess like an opportunity to step out like i was stepping out of my comfort zone but you were also stepping out of yours with um getting this new information with like the seminar that you had with how to you know be i guess a self-employed stylist and like how to get those connections with showrooms and it's basically just putting yourself out there and knocking on the door and actually reaching out and the worst thing that could happen is that the door doesn't open the door closes but that doesn't mean you can try again and what's so amazing was that on the first try that door opened for you and I was like just seeing that like secondhand, like you heard me like when I saw all of the showroom stuff because you were like, oh, like I managed to get shoes. I was like, hey, like that's great. Like we got shoes. I walk into your and I see this whole rack of beautiful clothing, and I'm like, is this all yours? And you're like, no, the showroom. And I'm like, Kinsey, are you <laughs> kidding me? The fact that we had the opportunity to have such beautiful yeah. pieces for the short film, it would not have been the same. And so I thank you so much for that. But we had the opportunity to film that entire week. And that was another one of those, like, I really want to do this, but maybe it's not in the cards for me right now. That I said that maybe last summer. And then yeah. it came to fruition this spring. Yeah. Which is, and I'm so happy I got to share that with you. So it's another so one of those opportunities. Yeah. Overall, it's like, it's like putting what, where you want to see your life go, just pray about it, put it out into yes. the universe, and it will manifest itself it's somehow so in some way, which is very beautiful. It is. It's so special to see that when God does that. And I love like your whole story and testimony, (laughs) just listening to it. It's such a testament to prayer. Because in every season and transition, 
when you don't know what to do, you always look to God. And I think that's so inspiring for everyone who listens because you're very honest with yourself and with God. And I love that. And I think that that's, <laughs> you know, I've always, I've always been like drawn to that and inspired by that because you are just very honest in every season that you're in. And I think that's so important to really grasp that, that, you know, that that's what God really delights in is our honesty. Absolutely. And I and then, love, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to know. It's like God sees everything. So yeah. it's like, it's, he wants us to be honest with ourselves. Cause he, yeah. like, he knows like what we're not being honest about with ourselves versus what we are. And it's just like when you're being honest so with God in turn, you are also being honest with yourself. And I feel like so that true. relationship and transparency is how you continue to grow. So that was. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. And I think that's where our joy comes from. You know, we're. Mm -hmm both able to smile with the transitions and get through them. And it's because of the posture of surrender and that posture of release. And one of my favorite things that you said during sharing all of that was when you were talking about prayer and that posture of surrender. And mm -hmm. you were saying how, you know, God might take years to answer or he could take five minutes and I'm just like, wow, isn't that the truth? Because so many times I think we're so scared to bring it to God because we're like, oh my gosh, what if I bring it to him and he makes me wait the five years? Mm. And it's like, yeah, but what if he makes you wait five minutes? Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, and it's like not bringing it to him is essentially going to add more years in the long run because even if it does take five years, you needed the five years to prepare and exactly. he's giving you that preparation, but he's not going to give it to you unless you ask. Right. Because, so and I true. know we've talked about this before, but it's still one of my favorite things to think about is when it's God's time, you can't stop it. And when it's mm -hmm. not his time, you can't force it. Exactly. <laughs> and it goes back to that active faith, which you were kind of bringing up at the end as well of with the music video and with all of this of, you know, hey, we're going to take one step forward. Mm -hmm. And if it's the right thing, then God's going to open that door. Absolutely. And that's what happened, which was so cool with the music video. It's like things that we've talked about, that we've prayed about, that we've seen really manifest into our lives through this constant posture of just surrendering it and being like, mm -hmm. hey, I'm just going to put this out. I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to have this active faith. And then right. to see that alignment and God's blessing over it of like, hey, I'm affirming you in this. Like, this is what I've called you to. Mm -hmm. It's just the coolest feeling to see that. Um, yeah. To just see him walk through that. And it really reminds me too of I was thinking especially while you were talking about that the whole story too of the disabled boy I was thinking about this passage that I was reading in John this past week and mm -hmm. I actually wrote it down it's John 9 
And it's when God heals the man that's born blind. And I love this story because in it, the Pharisees are basically saying, oh, like he sinned, all of this. And the disciples even asked like, oh, like this man is born blind, like who sinned, him or his parents? And Jesus like, no one. Like this man was born blind, so a miracle could happen. And I think that's so beautiful because it goes back to, okay, God really doesn't give us what we can't handle. And, you know, that like things that disable us, like it can be even mentally, you know, like we might feel like that we're mentally like disabled in a situation or like that we have this Mm -hmm. mental block and we can think it's just this burden that God's given us. And it's like, no, like it's actually not your fault. It's an opportunity for God to work a miracle. Yeah. And I was just, I just thought that was the most beautiful thing ever. And I think it's so cool to see that in your own life too, of like you having that attitude. And I think that's why like I'm drawn to you and so many of our friends are drawn to you because you do have that joy that comes with surrender. (laughs) And it's cool to just see that that's the reasoning of like, while I'm hearing your story, I'm like, oh yeah. You know, it's that reminder of, oh yeah, like that's why she's like this. It's because she, she really lives it out. Yeah. And (laughs) and it is, it's such a difference of that. And I, I truly do love seeing that. And I, I do want to ask to, I guess, tying into that posture of surrender and just the joy that comes from that and seeing it manifest into your life and all of these things. What would you say to someone who is struggling to see that light at the end of the tunnel that you're talking about, who might be dealing with imposter syndrome, which I know we both go through, And how how do you overcome that? And I guess balance that, okay, I'm surrendered, but I'm also still walking through it. Mm. Yeah. um, I think, so this is so, so crazy because um, the, one of the, I I think the 10 a.m. service from yesterday that Sam Lopez did was kind of it spoke to me in that way because um he basically said something about there's a difference between knowing and knowing information and knowing the information but putting it into practice um which is like so true and i think that is the epitome of um what you're asking where it's like you can't quite see the light at the end of the tunnel, but mm. maybe you know what tools you have now in the moment and what you can do to get yourself closer to that. And so I think, at least for me, with my experience, it's always um, like I see where I want my life to go. Yeah. Um I imagine my ideal life and I say, this is, this is where I want to be um, in the future. And it's like, here are my tools that God has given me, whether that's like your talent, whether it's, you know, your environment or your community, they are all tools. And 
information <laughs> that you have and know. Yeah. And it's like, all right, well, that's where you get to work. You do everything that you, you've prayed about it to God. He's going to ha- – you just have to have faith and know that he is on your side and he's doing everything in his power to help you. But you can't just be stagnant. You also have to do everything in your power to help yourself, I guess, in a way. Uh, and putting things to practice, like whether it's um, like you set a goal in your mind, like this is the type of person I want to be. You are okay, like you know what kind of person you want to be start being the person that you want to be that Mm -hmm. you see yourself as and it's just being more active like you said being active with um everything whether whatever it is and so and what comes with like being a creative is like you know you mentioned imposter syndrome which is (laughs) it sucks (laughs) it can be it's literally villain (laughs) of your story um for real because it's I feel like the way I make sense of it I guess is um me personally I guess I'm so used to how my voice sounds I'm so used to like the way I write I'm so used to like hearing my music constantly with like working on it that it's almost um, not that I'm blind about it, but I'm just, yeah. it's just there. It's not, it's, I'm very neutral about it, I guess. Um, most sometimes like when I make a brand new song, I'll be like, Oh my God, like this is really like, I connect with it. This feels great. This is love it. But once I listen to it so much, I'm like, yeah, it's whatever sort of thing. Mm. Cause I'm, yeah. And I feel like it's the same with, um, or like that's how I make sense of my imposter syndrome where I don't <laughs> how do I say this? Oftentimes I will, you know, I I'll think that I'm average like I feel like I'm average yeah. as far as like my music. I'm like, oh, I'm not anything great. I'm just doing what I have a passion for, sort of thing. And then I'll have people um, like my friends or like the crew, the film crew that we worked with, they're like, oh, like your music is amazing. Like they were genuinely fans of my music, which is, I'm still like getting used to that. Having people tell me that they're fans of my music. Cause I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> like I'm like, at least I'm like happy that they like love it. But I still, I don't know. I see I'm like, this is another person that's like as equal as I am. And they say they love my music. Like that's, it's so wild to me. But um, hearing, I guess what helps me um, with like reassuring like your talent is Mm. being around a community that does acknowledge that. Um, And even when people do compliment or like tell me, that they love my music or like they compliment like my singing or like my songs. There's still, there's always like a part of my like mind that's um, that doubts it. 
you know, like what what if they're just saying it to, you know, be um, kind or like be, I can't think of the word that I'm actually trying to say, but I feel like I'm getting, I do my best to take everything like genuinely and say like, yeah. no, they're actually being honest. And like for me as an artist, I love when people tell me how they connected with the music versus saying that they like my music or, oh, I love how that song, like I love the chord progression. I love the lyrics. I love hearing why people connect with it as far as what was going mm. on in their life that made the song speak to them. Yeah. Because that's, I don't know, like you're, I don't know, how do I explain? It's a like a domino effect sort of thing. Like I was able to kind of be there for that person and what they were right. going through without physically being there. And that's why I do music is reassuring people they're mm. not alone. And it's that reassurance as well that helps me with like the imposter syndrome, I guess. Yeah. And knowing that I'm still doing everything that I can in my power to get to where I want to be. Um, at least having that reassurance that I am being active about it. So yeah. <laughs> and there's so much sense. more. There, I could talk so much about it, um, but I feel like that's the over. <laughs> I love that. I really do. And I, I love how you were saying, because it's so practical the tools that God's given us mm-hmm. of taking inventory of what we actually have. Cause yeah. it's so easy, especially with imposter syndrome. Cause I mean, imposter syndrome, yeah, is it's not feeling good enough. It's not feeling like we're worthy. It's comparing ourselves, like, Oh, look at them. Look at this. I know that's a big one for me personally. Mm-hmm. And, but when we stop to take the inventory of like, okay, What's God actually given me though? What's the tools? What are the passions that I can actually use right now that I don't have to wait on, you know, but that I can actually use? And that's just, it's such a practical way of putting it, which is why I love that you said (laughs) that because the practical things are often the hardest. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like we want like a 10 step process, but it's like, what's practical? I know. It's like actually in front of you. All you have to do is be active and like knock on that door, reach for that tool, like put yourself out there, which is the hardest part is is doing it, is stepping out of your comfort zone. And, but it really is. Sometimes you just got to close your eyes and just go for it. (laughs) It's so true because success is always on the other side of fear. Yeah. But that's the hardest part is actually knocking on the door. And I just sometimes like visualize God being like, hey, like I gave you this opportunity to equip you. Now go, you know, like go. You're you're strong enough. Just knock on the door. Like it's okay. And knocking is seriously the hardest part because it's like, for me at least, it's like, oh my gosh, rejection. You know, what if it's locked? And it's like, hey, it's not going to be locked forever. And even if it is locked, I mean, hey, Jesus walked through locked doors. Like, 
who's to stop him now, you know? And it just goes back to the whole timing of our life. And just, I, I also just love how you were saying the importance of community and returning to the why you started because that it, it also just ties in with that, you know, it's okay. What do you have? Why did you even start this? And who can affirm you? Because it's so important to have those people that you can depend on and call up on a bad day and be like, hey, like, I need you to remind me of why I'm doing what I'm doing (laughs) and build me up right now because I don't, I, I, I can't say that I know. Right. And it's so crucial to find that. And that's why I'm so thankful for you. I'm so thankful for our friend group, for Hillsong, because it's like, those are my people. And those, I can depend on that, you know, mm-hmm. when I'm having that bad day and when I don't even know my why, y'all do. Yeah, right. It's seriously such a crucial step in the process, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. Community is so important. And it's like, for me, because I'm, I'm such an introvert as well, mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't look like it like in social situations because <laughs> I can talk if like, if there's a reason for me to talk. But yeah. I am... I do love alone time. I am perfectly fine with like, I'll go to the beach by myself and, you know, nothing's wrong. I'm not a loner. I just, I want to be alone. (laughs) But it's also like after having so much of those, uh, so much alone time, it's like you do feel the void of like, missing your community mm-hmm. and like other people and some and like you you do get farther when you have a team versus doing everything by yourself mm-hmm. that is just so true it is just a fact like even if you think you can do it by yourself and like you can yeah. you probably can do it by yourself um it'll take more time maybe because it's just you but when you do have a team or like a community it's like you're putting so many brains together at once. Like, well, you can't imagine. Like the same with like collaboration and creativity. You're putting so many yeah. creative minds together. You're making something that is unimaginable with just one. So, <laughs> but that is so true. <laughs> and like, I. Totally, like whenever you said the rejection, <laughs> whenever you know you knock on the door and maybe it doesn't open, that rejection is like that's the fear that gets people to not try at all. Yeah, and honestly, this kind of goes with the documentary I talked about with like pain, like pain is whether it's like physical or emotional it's temporary and sometimes it can kind of be like it's a mental thing sometimes pain is a mental barrier like I don't know if you this is kind of silly to think about it but like if you're like ever like in the cold and like you're you're not wearing the right jacket and you're like oh my gosh like I'm so cold you know sometimes it can be a mental thing (laughs) where it's like if you like just switch your brain for a second and tell yourself that it's actually warm sometimes it helps weird thing to say but yeah I feel like it's kind of like a testimony to like sometimes the things we feel physically 
mm. is kind of like a mental thing. Um, yeah. And that's kind of how the documentary is where it's like people do go through these, um, they push past that mental barrier for the love and the passion of something. So in relation to the fear of that rejection, you just have to pass through that mental barrier. And it's just, I don't know, like also like coming through like Easter weekend and, yeah. um, you know, like Jesus died on the cross. Yeah. He went through all that pain, experienced, you know, all of that, uh, like uh, through his vessel, but he was able to endure it for the love of humanity. Yeah. Which is so, like, I cry every time I think about it. Same. Um, <laughs> because it's like, well, you know, he died for our sins on the cross. He did that for us. He pushed through whatever mental barrier. Like, he didn't have a mental barrier at all. And so it's like, if he can do that, <laughs> yeah, you can, I can also push past some sort of mental barrier, whatever it is. And so, yeah, <laughs> I think it's, about that. It's so true. I mean, seriously, that that is. It's simple, but also not simple because Jesus is our motivator at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. It's like that. that's why we have him. You know, Absolutely. it's like he did push through the pain and it's like he was perfect, but he still felt everything. Yeah. And he he could have in an instant been like, I'm done, you know, yeah. <laughs> but he was like, no, I'm going to push through because the purpose is worth it. Exactly. And purpose. I love them so much that it's worth it. And mm -hmm. I think in our everyday life, we we're faced with the same decision, you know, on a much smaller level. On Thank goodness we scale. don't we don't have to be physically crucified, but I mean, mm -hmm. we often feel it emotionally, I think. And yeah. it's just pushing through and being like, okay, what what am I working towards? And right. why am I doing this? Is the purpose greater than the pain, you know? And who am I doing this for? Right. And another thing is like <laughs> this is so like I feel like this I don't know um the scale is just so there's such a difference like using it as a metaphor but going back to imposter syndrome it's yeah. like say like what prevents you from knocking on that door is the rejection on the other side or even like you know you feel like you're not good enough, like maybe, or um, even for some reason, like you feel like people around you aren't giving you that reassurance that you are as great as you actually are. And it's the same as like, you know, they did it. Well, it's kind of different because Jesus knew that he was the son of God. But his community around him was like, no, you're an imposter. Mm. And it's just kind of, he, I guess, you know, did everything. He did what he knew he had to do. 
even if I guess through like another lens it was like oh like he's an imposter sort of thing yeah Um, and I feel like it's kind of flipped trying to use that metaphor but it can still work (laughs) it is but it does work and I think it's funny because you're talking about that it actually reminds me of when you were moving from Mississippi to Nashville and you were Mm -hmm. saying oh like everything seemed to be falling into place yeah and but you were you were called somewhere else but you had to know who you were right to accept the calling yeah and to not accept the distraction that's so true <laughs> so that's it does it, it i think we go through different seasons of what it is to be an imposter and sometimes mm-hmm. it's sometimes it's us and sometimes it's the people around us where Mm-hmm. We have to rely on the identity God gave us, and sometimes we have to rely on the wisdom of other people, you know. And I think yeah. it's it's literally a roller coaster of life of going Absolutely. through those seasons. Of sometimes our community is going to be stronger, and sometimes we have to be stronger and be steadfast, you know, of what yeah. we've learned in the past season. Yeah, it's so crazy. So true. <laughs> yeah. Oh um, man, this but, was seriously amazing, and I know that we went over time, but seriously, <laughs> this was incredible. And thank you so much for just sharing your story, for always being transparent, mm-hmm. and for sharing so much gold and wisdom, girl. <laughs> thank so you full so of it. Much. I'm so happy to be on here. Like, little side note, going back to um, putting what we want out there and it coming yes. back. But when <laughs> I've always wanted to be on a podcast, um, and it was just one of those things like, I don't know when it's going to happen, but it'll happen somehow. I'm just going to put it out there. Yes. Ah, and now, like, here I am on here you my are. Best Friends podcast talking about so many good things and like inspiring people and you know just reassuring you know do what your heart desires (laughs) yes talk about alignment I love that (laughs) oh my goodness God is so good and never underestimate the power of words I know words and prayer man they do wonders. <laughs> they really do. God hears everything. Yes. I told you guys that today's episode was going to be so good, so much gold in that whole conversation. I think there's just such power in testimony. And just hearing someone else's story that really inspires you to take on your own story that God is writing for you. And I love how Grace really emphasized the importance of pausing to surrender and just to take inventory on what you already have, that we we don't do this alone, but we actually get to do this in partnership with God and active faith and in believing 
what he has for us. So I hope that you walk away from today feeling inspired. And if you love today's podcast, of course, let me know on Apple reviews. Remember to follow me on the Love Kinsey podcast on Instagram. And I cannot wait to talk to you next week.